The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Hi, this is Harry Margolis with the Ask Harry Podcast. We're here to answer your estate planning questions and hear from experts in the field. In this episode, I spoke with Nora Youssef, who's a vice president and financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management about Social Security and when you should retire and all the ins and outs about it. Nora, thanks for joining me today. Happy to be here. So we're going to talk about Social Security and when you should retire, when you should start taking benefits. And, uh, and so that's my first question. So when should you start taking Social Security benefits? That's a million-dollar question, and that I would have the perfect answer for you up to the year and month you should start collecting if, of course, I knew how long you were going to live. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know that information, but what we can do is to really take an educated guess. And part of my job is always getting people the most money possible for them and optimizing uh, their finances and their fi- Social Security benefit falls under that umbrella. So what you really want to do is have an honest con- conversation with yourself and look at your genetics and look at your family, your parents, after all, for better or worse. Their genes are your genes and your overall health. And if you... You know what? If everyone in your family passed away in their 70s and your health isn't so great, I say have that lobster roll for lunch, (laughs) eat that ice cream at night, and take your Social Security early and run. So take it at 62, which is the earliest time you can Mm. collect. However, if you, like most Americans, the average American, are going to live into your mid-80s, uh, the most uh, updated numbers are women living till 86, men till 84, fellas, I'm not going to tell you our secret. But if you're going to live into your mid-80s and your health is generally average and okay, I do urge you to wait to at least your full retirement age, somewhere between 66 and 67, depending on when you're born. And if you think you've got longevity on your side, I even urge you to hold off and collect till age 70, which is the furthest you can push off to collect and yields you the largest Social Security benefit each month and likely over the course of your lifetime. So how much more do you get if you wait to 70 rather than uh, just uh, doing it at your normal retirement age, which is also confusing because it seems to be changing every year? Uh, Yes. Well, it's not changing every year, but it depends on the date that you're born. A a change was made back in the 80s of when your full retirement age is, back when Reagan was president in 1985. And so uh, your full retirement age is somewhere between 66 and 67. At that point, you receive 100% of what the government promises you to get your money back. After all, it's your money. But if you wait till 70, if your full retirement age was 66, the amount you'll collect at 70 is not 100% but 132% of your benefit. Now, percentages are one thing. Let's attach some dollar signs. So if you were to collect at age 66 instead of 62, the amount of money, or rather, let's state it differently, if you were to collect at 62 versus 66, the amount of money you're leaving on the table with the government is about about $150,000. It, it, depending on what your benefit is. Yeah, that's the, that's about the uh, right, correct. Um, now, if you were to collect at 66 instead of 70, the amount of money you're potentially leaving on the table is up to about $200,000. So add those up. If you were to collect at 62 versus waiting until 70, which only 4% of Americans do, and it's really a shame, 
you're actually leaving $350,000 on the table. And remember, that's your money. And that's just for one spouse. That's not including your husband or wife. But those are averages based on average benefit and average lifespan. Uh, uh, those are maximum amounts you could be oh, leaving on the amounts. table. Okay. Mm-hmm. So collectively, all Americans, if we were all to be calculating this and getting the optimal benefits that we should be getting, the amount of money all Americans in total total are leaving on the table is $3.4 trillion of your money. And that's trillion with a T as in too much. Wow. So that so if, so if everybody waited to seventy, then then basically the, the Social Security trust fund would run out of money sooner. Is that much <laughs> right. sooner? Is that what you're saying? And that's not even everyone <laughs> waiting to seventy. That's just timing it correctly according to their health uh-huh. uh, and what they know. Uh, frankly, uh, pe- the amount, number of people that should be waiting till seventy is a, is just under sixty percent that should be waiting. Uh huh. Okay. So, because other people may aren't going to live so long. Exactly. So, so how? So, between age sixty six and however many months, where they start making more money by waiting to seventy than they gave up by not taking anything between sixty six and seventy. Fantastic question. So, everybody always asks, well, where is that intersection yeah. point, right, of my cumulative benefits? Because I'm collecting sooner but longer versus waiting until 70, collecting for a shorter period but a higher amount. Right. It's a fantastic question, Harry. So, here are the cutoff numbers. If you were to collect at 62 versus 70, uh, you will have made the wrong decision if you live past 78. If you were to collect at 62 versus um, uh, six, I'm sorry, put it differently. If you were to collect at 62 versus 66, the cutoff is 78. If you were to collect at 62 versus 70, if you live past 80, you made the wrong decision. Okay. If you were to collect at 66 versus 70, the cutoff there is 82. So if you think you're going to live into your, again, your uh, past 82, you really the, the better, uh, more optimal, financially smart thing to do was wait until 70. Okay. Now, um, the, I, I know there's some things that complicate this, and uh, one of the big ones is spousal benefits. Of course. And so a spouse will have a smaller benefit, and so the, the one with the smaller benefit can either take his or her benefit or a spousal benefit, Right. Correct. You have the option. You can't take them both at the same time, but you have the option to either collect 100 or 132% of your benefit or collect up to 50% of your spouse's benefit. And these numbers seem a little wonky, and the, the background for them is because, again, when the Social Security was established, it was social insurance in the 1934, when typically the wife would stay at home and not work. Mm-hmm. And if the husband died in war or passed away in war or um, something happened, there, there was a need for social insurance. Um, so the fact that these are so outdated and at that point in time, if people live 12 years of retirement, that was considered good and average, whereas now people are living 30 years in retirement. Because the way Social Security was designed and so outdated, it's the reason why you can really financially take advantage of the system mm-hmm. and reap it for your benefit. So um, so any spouse can choose whether to take his – you'll take the larger benefit, right, whether it's your own benefit or your spousal benefit. Uh, yes, uh, yes. However, it's not that straightforward because here is where the strategy comes in where you can really uh, boost up your uh, household income playing off of spousal benefits. So how, how does that work? So, <laughs> so, so 
Is it possible to, I guess, switch from one to the other, I guess, would be the question. In short, yes, it's possible. Now, I'm not going to get in the weeds uh, on this because um, uh, there's some strategies I, I hold near and dear. And there, <laughs> although the government has gotten rid of a lot of them mm-hmm. as part of the Bipartisan Budget Act in, in uh, 2015 that passed during the Obama administration, which, frankly, it's surprising how little media attention uh, it got because it was something that's affecting all Americans um, and, and uh, had a huge impact. And there was hardly a blip um, in the news telling people really what was going on. Well, I've heard people talking a lot about file. People used to file and suspend. And I think that's y- what you can't do anymore. Is that right? Well, uh, y- well, yes and no. So file and suspend was an amazing strategy. And it's one that I made sure all of my clients mm-hmm. took advantage of. And it was really a loophole you could drive a truck through. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I made sure my clients took advantage of it and yeah. fi- uh, uh, um, uh, filed and suspended. Um, and so if you – if it, and there were a number of um, people who just weren't aware of this, mm-hmm. right, including advisors and accountants. And again, it just wasn't communicated. The word didn't get out there enough. So a, n- a number of Americans did not do this. Um, now, if you did technically um, file and suspend within that time frame, that short window that you had, which now is expired because it was back in 2016, if you happen to have done that, you can still implement this strategy, Okay. If you had not done that, then forget about it and just ignore okay. this last piece. It's, it's, gone. it's gone. So, but let's let's say so. If two spouses are more or less the same age, they're maybe have less flexibility. But if they're difference in age, say one spouse turns seventy and begins receiving her benefits, and then the, her her younger husband is uh, is sixty five, um, could he? Could he then start taking spousal benefits, and then when he turns seventy, switch over to his benefits, or is that file and sus- that's not file and suspend? That's different. So, in short, yes, something like that is possible for some people. Mm-hmm. Now, again, the rules change, so it, now that rule, as great as that sounds, does not appeal does not apply to everyone anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you have to have been a certain age. So, frankly, for any listeners that are sixty five and older. I'd urge you to keep this in the back of your mind because this could potentially still apply to you. And so if you're 65 and older and you're married, it's worth you sitting down with someone who gets this stuff and to see if there's any money on the table that you could be leaving, if there's any extra money you could be bringing into your household. Mm -hmm. It's well worth the conversation. Yeah, sounds like it. Not not much to lose. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And I I offer these consultations for free, so there's no reason (laughs) not to sit down and just chat about it. So before we finish, we're going to get information on how to contact you so that we we can ask that. So uh, another question is we're anticipating – everyone's anticipating retiring someday – and is there, are there ways to increase your benefits, to, to take steps to make sure that uh, you do get more, whether you're taking it at 66 and two months or at, at 70? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a number of things. One is you, of course, can hold off on collecting. Another thing is while you're working, you want to be careful about collecting as well because a lot of people say, well, can I work and collect? Well, yes, but you could potentially get a reduction, so you may not want to do that. So in short, if you're at your full retirement age, 66 or 67, you earn a million dollars, there's no reduction on your Social Security. Great. Go for it. 
uh, if and share your gig with Harry and I. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, if you are six, any younger than that and collecting your Social Security, it's likely not in your benefit because your Social Security benefit will be reduced for $1 for every $2 you earn over $17,640. Oh, pretty low threshold. Pretty low threshold. And yeah. now what they do is they'll they'll take that money. They won't keep it and never give it back to you. They'll basically withhold that money and and give it to you when you s- turn your full retirement age. Um, however, it does set the clock at you collecting at a reduced rate. Mm-hmm. So why bother? Yeah. So that's one thing you can do. So and basically, if you're working, don't start taking your Social Security benefits. In most cases, it probably doesn't make sense. Can I ask you a question I always wondered? Mm-hmm. People talk about retirement and they talk about Social Security. But... Um, and Social Security retirement benefits. But they're really two different things. Retirement is is when you stop working, and you can choose when to take your Social Security benefits whenever you want between 62 and 70. Is that right? Yes, Harry. That's a very important distinction to make. People think that they come together, they're two peas in a pod. They're really not. Um, They are separate. So you could retire and just – I'm not saying work till 70. You could retire at 66 or 62, whenever – you financially can, and then just not touch your Social Security until, say, age 70. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. good. And so, but you do want to consider how your work and income is going to affect your Social Security benefit because, after all, your benefit is, is calculated based off of your not three highest earning years or three last years. That's pension talk. Mm-hmm. For Social Security, your income, uh, your benefit is based off of your 35 highest income earning years. And when you're getting those estimates, the uh, Social Security Administration assumes you're going to continue to earn what you earned last year. So if you do retire early, say at 62, and you're not going to collect your Social Security till 70, and you're having zero income, and you were just earning, let's say, $400,000, well, yeah, there is going to be a reduction because they had assumed that you were going to continue to earn that $400,000 up until your full retirement age. Uh-huh. That's that's important to know. It's important to know. Another uh, item that affects those, maybe those that aren't about to cl- about to retire, but for the younger folks that are out there, especially for moms that are listening. And I do a lot of work with women, of course, because there are different sets of considerations for women who are investors in terms of their financial planning. And this is one of them. For women, oftentimes I have couples, actually a couple was in last week, so funny. I came in, perfectly illustrated what I'm about to say. They came in, and we're talking about Social Security, of course, because I, I love to find people extra money there, and that's part of their whole financial plan. Uh, and we're uh, pulling up what their benefits are going to be and strategizing. And the wife said, hey, what gives? Why is my Social Security benefit so much lower than his when we earn pretty much the same amount of income for so long? And the answer was... She, uh, when raising the kids, she took about seven years to raise the kids and work in the home and not pay into FICA. Hardest job, of course, was raising the kids. So that was the choice that was made. And because she wasn't paying into FICA for those zero income earning years, that drastically reduced her average when they calculated her 35 highest earning income years. 
So that's something to consider. If you're a young mom, you might want to consider. I'm not, of course, it's a personal choice whether you decide to what you decide to do for work and make, you know, whatever your family dynamic is. Um, but consider um, at the very least staying, keeping a hand into work part time. And it could be a really minimal amount of work. It could be something that earns maybe, you know, $15,000 a year, something really minimal, mm-hmm. um, just to keep your hand in and show some income earning some earnings versus a zero because those those prime uh, preliminary uh, earnings uh, that that um, and under let's say call it under twenty thousand dollars that carries the highest weight in terms of your calculation and the uh-huh. equation that goes into this. So just getting that in can really up, up your benefit a lot. Yes, can make a drastic difference down the line when you're collecting. Or it's another reason. Say you you took some time off when your kids were young and you go back to work. It sounds like you may want to work some more years to get up to 35 so they don't count those years you weren't working. Exactly, exactly. And then those with pensions, it's another conversation of, ooh, can you have your cake and eat it too? Can you have your Social Security and your pension? Potentially, yes. People are quick to say, ah, I get nothing because of my pension. Well, not necessarily. It depends how many years you have working and paying it to FICA. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. Oftentimes with professors um, or, or people working for the government, um, state troopers, oftentimes I'll look at that history as well. There was someone recently, she was a year and a half off. So I said, hey, listen, pick up some part-time work, paying into FICA. It could be something on the weekends, light lifting, less low stress mm-hmm. job for a year and a half. Just, just get so that 15000 or whatever or exactly. 20000 and Exactly. Uh-huh. Very, very. Very interesting. Then it also sounds like another advantage of continuing to work to 70 if you're up to it is that assuming you're earning more in those years than you were earning 35 years earlier, that that can increase your benefit more than the 8% per year. That's right. So you'll, you will, in a sense, displace those lower income earning years. Now, uh, to a degree, of course, your, your Social Security this year, you're only taxed uh, off of wa- your your Social Security wages are only taxed anything under $133,000. So as long as you're somewhere above there, you'll be displacing those lower income earning years. So a uh, so, so number of strategies to uh, increase your benefit. There are. There are. And that's, you know, it's there's no one-size-fits-all answer. It's really so situational, which to me makes it interesting when meeting with someone and strategizing. It's like a Rubik's Cube to figure out, okay, what's the best thing to do given your situation? So not, something else I've, I've heard about is that in addition to um, your own benefits and your spousal benefits, if you have a child who's disabled, they can get benefits based on your work record, um, but there are some family limits that's correct. That's correct. Yes, the limits are somewhere around 1.85%. But yes, that's correct. So, And that's a lot of another area where a lot of people are leaving money on the table, where especially where they need it for those special additional expenses. Um, so a lot of people are unaware if you have a disabled child um, to receive benefits. Or another is if you had children later in life. Okay, which is happening more and more as we're all living longer. Mm-hmm. So if you have children later in life and you retire, uh, your child and spouse could potentially be eligible for benefits or you become disabled or you, of course, pass away. Um, there's uh, really um, substantial benefits. In fact, 
on the topic of someone passing away. For widows, it's important to mention if anyone listening is a widow or you know someone close to you that's a widow, make sure that they also consult with someone to talk social security strategy because the rules are very, very generous for widows, like in its social insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, And the changes that were made in 2015 don't apply to widows. So really, the whole Social Security rule book gets thrown out the window when it comes to widows. So there's real big opportunity for more money to be had potentially for widows. Thank you for listening to the Ask Harry podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions about estate planning, you can find answers at askharry.info. And if you don't find your answer there, you can post a question and I will respond to it. You can also subscribe and listen to future episodes on iTunes.